Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. John's warning of the baptism of fire was to those who needed to repent and prepare for the Messiah's coming because he is coming with judgment. To baptize with fire means to bring the fires of judgment, which will purify, but destroy the wicked like chaff. Chaff is the worthless residue of a wheat stalk after the kernel of grain has been removed. These proud and unrepentant leaders in Israel were just as useless to God. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. And fire for a minute because the context will make it clear what it's speaking of. But what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? This is a uh, a second baptism that we can experience as well, apart from Christian or water baptism. And it's when the Holy Spirit of God comes upon us. He's in us already. That's what makes us a Christian. In fact, Peter, I think, said, "If, if the Spirit of God does not dwell in you, you are not a Christian. You may go to a Christian church, you may uh, read your Bible, you may do all of these good works, but the Spirit of God, if the Spirit of God is not in you, you are none of His. You don't belong to Him if the Spirit of God is not indwelling you. But I need, in addition to the Spirit of God in me, I need Him to come upon me at times for His purposes. I don't have an iPhone app where I can just say, Spirit now, fall upon me Why isn't it working? Is there a bug in the software? I I want him to fall upon me now. Well, why is it that I want him to fall upon me so that I can do some kind of freak show for people? So I can magnify myself? Is that really what it's all about or is it about somebody else? If you look at the times when God baptizes his saints with the Spirit of God, it's because he has a plan. And he has a plan to reach someone else. You and I can be completely oblivious to it. And you'll probably know it when the Spirit of God comes upon you because you're going to be lit up. You're going to be excited. You're going to be sharing stuff. You're going to be talking about scriptures are going to be coming to your head that you forgot. And all of a sudden, you're talking to somebody and they're listening. They're really listening. They're like, something dynamic is happening here, but they've got my attention. And that's the Spirit of God giving you the boldness, giving you everything you need for that moment, for that moment. And it's different for everybody. And we can't, I don't have the ability to just turn on a switch. 
You look in the, in the book of Acts and you'll notice that they were just going about the business of the church and the Spirit of God would fall upon them. There was no flipping a switch. But the question I've got to ask myself is, do I put myself in positions where God would do that? What does it tell us in the book of Acts? Chapter 1, verse 8, it says, and Jesus speaking says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, this is already after the Spirit of God is in you. Uh, he's speaking to his disciples. They're already born again. But he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the other parts of the, of, the, of the world, the uttermost parts. See, this is a dynamic work of God where he empowers and gives us boldness to serve him. And it's something we need to pray for that the Lord would do according to his choosing, not ours. But see, we need this boldness and empowerment today in the world that we live in because for the most part, many Christians are being assimilated into the world and the world system. We're no longer being salt and light. We're no longer willing to share with our neighbors. We're no longer willing to even talk to our family. And there's something wrong with that, folks. And, 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 and there's a dulling in, in, our, in our culture that is just dulling us. It's, it's like we're, we're like this fire and, and the water and everything is pouring water on us and we're allowing it. We're allowing, we're, sometimes we even invite it. We accept these things and it just dulls us we quench the spirit we dull it pretty soon there's there's no witness at all and you know what that's called the laodicean church when the church gets to that place where we have no salt no light no fire in our hearts we're laodicean and it's here i'm not saying necessarily here but it's in the church in America. But we need to revive. I need revival. You need revival. We need to wake. Awaken from our slumber. The things that are coming in our country, I think they're going to wake us up. I have found that sometimes I need a catalyst Sometimes I need something to stir me, something to provoke me, and all of a sudden I get, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You get, you get goaded enough with a stick, and pretty soon you're like, okay, okay, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm finally, you know, I'm awake, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> do you ever feel like that? And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm awake, and the Lord's going, okay, do I got your attention? I want you to share. I want you to never forget it. Share the gospel. Be faithful to that commission to, to go out and to tell people. In the byways, in the highways, wherever you go, it, it doesn't take a lot of effort to open your mouth. You can be anywhere and still be loving and compassionate and gracious and pray that, the God, would, that God would just fill you with his spirit, that he would fill you, he would come upon you as you go to Wegmans, as you go to work. You know, maybe you're on break and there's somebody who is struggling and their marriage is falling apart. And you say, hey, can I pray for you? It's on your break, right? So the, they can't say, oh, she's, you know, bad, you know. Do it on the break. Say, can I pray for you? Lord, help. You know, Nehemiah did that a lot too. A very simple prayer. Help. Help is a really great prayer. And it's a word I know very well. <laughs> I cry for help often. Every single day, several times a day, I'm crying out, God, help. Help me. 
I want to be effective for you, but I'm a bonehead. Any, can anybody relate? You don't have to raise your hands. Thank you, Al. Both of these fellows aren't going to be at church next week. They're like, you called me out, bro. I'm not. But this outpouring of the Spirit of God, Joel prophesied it in the Old Testament. He says, and it shall come to pass. And again, this was Old Testament. And what happened on the day of Acts when the Spirit of God was poured out upon the believers was the fulfillment of this prophecy in Joel. It says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And the spirit of God comes upon believers in the New Testament. We see it in a, a bunch of different places. I'm only going to read two to you because time is running short. In, the, in Acts chapter one, it says, I'm being assembled together with them. This was after Jesus' resurrection uh, and before his ascension. Being assembled with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. When the Spirit has come, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Didn't we just read that? And then in Acts chapter 2, the very first four verses, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, and suddenly there came as of a, as of a rushing wind. Notice it wasn't a rushing wind. The Bible uses these similes, don't get that confused. It, it was the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. It doesn't say that it was fire. Divided tongues over their head as a fire. It looked like fire, but it was tongues. And isn't that exactly what God was going to do? Give them the ability to speak in different languages? Immediately following that, they would go out into all Jerusalem, throughout all the world, and they would be sharing the wonderful works of God in different languages that they didn't pre, you know, uh, previously learn. So this was an act of the Holy Spirit. And there are many other verses, and, and I've written them down here. And by the way, if you, you know, as we go through this today, I would encourage you to listen to this again. As we, as we go through this today, listen to it again and take it slow and go through these things. These notes, these uh, slides that I'm sharing with you are all on our website. They're all on our podcasts. You can look at them while you're listening. But write them down and take time to write because it's important to understand this. Because there is one baptism. If we think of Christian baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, remember I said that they could really be seen as one. There's one baptism, but there's many fillings. And you see that in these verses here. They were baptized. But there were many fillings. In Ephesians, what does it tell us? There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in Flor South Florida they would say, and in y'all. 
Okay? What does it tell us in Corinthians? For as the body is one and has many members, for all the members of that one body being many are one, so is also Christ. For by one spirit we were baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, all have been made to drink into the same spirit. So finally, we, you know, we've looked at uh, the baptism of John the Baptist, the baptism of repentance, We've looked at Christian baptism, which is the baptism that we experience and go through, identifying with the, the, the full redemptive work of what Christ did on the cross in his death and in his resurrection, and that's symbolic as we go under. We looked at also at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, of the Spirit coming upon us subsequent to conversion, even substitute to being physically baptized. It could happen many times. You see it in the, in the book of Acts. The Spirit of God falling upon them. The Spirit of God falling upon them. The Spirit of God coming upon them. And now we come to this, uh, the baptism of fire, which is not for us. Aren't you glad? Remember when in, in verse, what was it? Um, in verse 11 it says, Jesus, uh, it says, uh, John the Baptist says, But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, John is speaking of two different things and two different groups of people here. And we know that because of the context uh, of what is written. Uh, In fact, the phrase and fire is not even in the original Greek for this passage. In many of the Greek manuscripts, the phrase and fire is not there. However, it is in Luke chapter 3 verse 16, unequivocally. So we can't avoid it at all. And Lucas says, Jesus, or John answered saying, I indeed baptize you with water, but one is mightier, etc., etc. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So this baptism of the Holy Spirit refers to, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit refers to believers, and then, and, that, and that's at Christ's first advent. When he first came, he gave us the baptism of, of the Holy Spirit. But there's also coming a baptism of fire for unbelievers. And it's important to notice the difference. Because you and I, you know, if we were in John's day, we could be baptized in John's baptism. Many were. And then they were baptized into Christ. And then they were baptized by the Holy Spirit to empower them for service. But only an unbeliever can be baptized with fire. With fire. The baptism with fire refers to judgments on unbelievers in at least a couple different places. In the great tribulation period, which is yet future to us. We looked at that when we were in the book of Revelation. It can also refer to Matthew chapter 25, where when Jesus comes and and begins his thousand-year reign in the millennium, at the very beginning of that millennium, Matthew 25 tells us, verse 31 through 46, that there will be a separation of the sheep and the goats, the, the judgment of nations, those nations that were faithful and that uh, believed in Christ and, that they, and they supported the Jewish people, those were the sheep. And they would be gathered and they would be separated from the goats, one on the right hand and one on the, on the left hand. And the one on the right hand, they would go and they would be able to go into the millennium. But those on the left hand, those unbelievers, they were cast into the lake of fire. That was a judgment, a baptism of fire. And finally and ultimately in Revelation chapter 20, the the verse that none of us like to read 
and it's very painful, but it's, it's important, at the great white throne judgment. The devil, the false prophet, the antichrist, all those who have followed him, everyone in death and Hades, they were all cast into the lake of fire, which burns forever and ever, and they will receive a body that can withstand the flames of that torment, and it will last forever. I would say that's a baptism of fire. Don't get this confused with Pentecost. Because notice the very next verse in chapter, in verse 12 there. It gives us the context, and that's really important. What does it say? His winnowing fan is in his hand. When you read verse 11, read it and go on to verse 12, and it makes sense. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and, and fire. Some of those in that group would be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and others later would be baptized with fire. And he qualifies it in context by saying, His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge or clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. Notice, but, circle that, he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That speaks of something completely different, something that I'm glad that I'm not going to experience. And as a believer in Christ, you will not either. But see, we have to warn people that this is their fate if they choose to reject Christ. Yes, it's true. And that's the thing that we don't want to tell them. But they must be told. We want to tell them, oh, God is good to you. God's going to bless you. He wants to just, he wants to put a blanket around you and love you. And it's like a, you know, like a cold winter night in front of the fireplace with your cat and your hot cocoa. If, if that's all we do, we failed. That's only the, the best part. Who wouldn't want that? Ah, but we have to tell them something different. We have to tell them the bad news before the gospel has any effect. We have to tell them the bad news because the good news is coming for those who receive him. God is a judge. He's a great judge. And for those of us, he will not, for God has not appointed us, his believers, to wrath, but to obtain what? Salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We will not see that judgment, but for an unbeliever, and this is why we have to warn people, you cannot and you should not and don't remove the teeth from the gospel of Jesus Christ. The moment we do that, we're teaching a false gospel. But there appears to be a clear distinction between those who are baptized with the Holy Spirit and those who are baptized with fire. And Acts 1 verse 5 makes this abundantly clear. You know, and um, we, we'll, we'll look at that really quick. Uh, and being assembled together with them, we read this uh, just moments ago. Jesus speaking, he says, but he says, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. If he meant it to be and fire, he would have said it. But he's speaking to believers. And he's saying, you're going to be baptized with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Notice he didn't say and fire. Because John the Baptist, in his audience, he was saying to them, some of you are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus comes, but some of you will be baptized with fire. 
And the context of verse 12 in our uh, passage today qualifies that. In context, what he meant by that. Because he's going to take those who have been baptized, those who are Christ, are going to be gathered to the barn. They're going to be safe. They're going to be saved. But then there's going to be the chaff from the winnowing of the wheat. The good stuff, the grain, is going to be taken into the barn. But the chaff and the useless stuff, that's going to be gathered together and burned. And yes, he's talking about people here. Eternal. But the context of this passage is clearly those who are saved. And then those who are not who will be burned with unquenchable fire. And this judgment of being baptized with fire will come, like I said before, in at least three different events, yet future. Now remember, this is not for believers, but for unbelievers. And what is the first one? The judgment during the great tribulation period. There's going to be those who will be baptized with fire during this time. In Revelation 8, verse 7, when it speaks of the first trumpet judgment, what does it say? The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. They are literally going to be baptized with fire from heaven. And a third of the trees were burned up, and even grass was burned up. In Revelation 8, verses 8 and 9, during the second trumpet, a similar thing happened, that the second angel sounded, something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and the third of the living creatures in the sea died and the third of the ships were destroyed in revelation 8 verse 10 during the third trumpet judgment the angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and of the springs of water in revelation 16 the fourth bowl is poured out upon the earth and what is this what is happening during that time are believers on the earth during the great tribulation period no, no, no there, there may be believers, but the church has been removed prior to that. There may be people who get saved during that time, but for the most part, this is God's pouring out his wrath upon a world that has rejected his only means of salvation. That's what the Bible says. And so what does this finally tell us in Revelation 16? It says, then the third... The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the power was given him to scorch men with fire. They were being baptized with fire. Unbelievers. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And notice, and they did not repent and give him glory. I don't know about you, but I respond to pain really well. (laughs) When the Lord wants to get my attention, all he's got to do is do something physically to me, and I cry uncle really quick, because I'm a wimp. It doesn't take very long for me to, to, to say uncle. It doesn't take long. But the wicked during the great tribulation, they will die physically in judgment, but they will also spend an eternity in the lake of fire. And it tells us that in the Bible as well. But there's also a, a baptism of fire during the judgment of nations. Again, Jesus... When he returns with the church, one of the first things he's going to do in the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth, yet future to us, is he's going to separate the nations. It's called, you may have heard it, the, the sheep and the goats. 
That's the end of our lesson for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.